Good morning. Good morning. Hey, this is kind of weird, isn't it, with the gap right down the middle? Strange days that we live in. Hey, thank you, uh, worship team. That was extra good, I think. Don't you think so? You know, when you... um, Yeah, that's great. Well, I'll kneel down. No, it's good. It's good. Um, so when you, when, you, uh, when you visit a fellowship, it's actually not my first time. I visited this fellowship a long time ago, actually, when it was uh, Christian Fellowship way back in the... I mean, it's still Christian Fellowship. We're Christians having fellowship. But um, when you visit for the first time, sometimes, you, you know, like you, you want to just uh, give everyone a minute to work out that you're okay, that you're not demon-possessed or you know, some sort of a mad heretic or, or something like that. But I, I just, um, me standing here today was actually such a crazy divine appointment. It was really, it was quite odd. So uh, I was here to be with uh, Dave Mann for the Engage conference that was hosted out in the, in the room out here. And, um, and I, uh, I had, to be honest, I had never heard the name Lane Park Church. And it took me a minute to work out, oh, yes, I do know that fellowship from, from back in the day. So anyway, I'm getting ready to come down. And, uh, and I was just going to be there for, for the Friday night with the young people, which we did here. And I got to pick on a few of those, including the feisty young lady who was here uh, singing. Um, and I was packing to come down. And, uh, and the Lord said, put in a, tea, uh, put in a shirt for Sunday morning. And I'm, I'm like, but Lord, I'm not preaching anywhere Sunday morning. He said, yeah, you're preaching somewhere Sunday morning, put in a shirt. And then he said to me, the name's Sophie, pray for Sophie. And so it turns out today that I'm, I'm the relief pitcher this morning because Zion and Sophie were not able to come. And so I've been praying for Sophie. And then also on, sun, on Friday night, I found a young lady called Sophie and I, I got to pray for her. So I arrived here, and I had no idea where I was coming to. Pull up out in front of this absolutely humongous facility. I mean, golly gosh, talk about having room for a revival. Um, and here, here's what happened. You doing okay? You're right with my uh, Tauranga accent. We're okay. We can be we can be friends this morning because I, I just I feel like there is such an urgency, and I want to I want to speak a couple of foundational things that you will already know, but I want to remind you of some foundational things because of what I feel there is an urgency that God is about to do uh, with you, in you, and uh, to you. (laughs) All right, okay. So I, uh, a few years ago, I was invited to go and preach in a church in Florida prior to to, uh, this weird last 18 months that we had. I used to travel overseas between five and nine times a year, so I'd be traveling around. A few years ago, I got invited to go and preach in this church in Florida. Uh, It was in a place called Lakeland, and the church was called Ignited Church. I was invited by the pastor and the youth pastor to just come and visit that church. I was literally flying from New Zealand to Florida for the weekend. Thank you. And then I was coming home. That was a weird thing. So anyway, about a week before I went... um, About a week before I went, I get a message from them. Have you heard what's happening here? I said, no, I haven't heard what's happening here. They sent me a link, and basically they had a a move of God, a revival. It It was genuine. It became a bit controversial, but I arrived there two weeks into this move of God. 
And uh, I remember preaching there. Uh, you arrived on, on Sunday morning. And in America, the cars have number plates from the states that they come from. And in the car park, uh, even though we're in Florida, there were number plates from Alabama and Georgia and North Carolina and, and, and uh, the South Carolina and all over the U.S. There were all these number plates from cars that had come from all over the place because they had heard that God was moving. So I arrive here at your facility uh, on Friday to come in and talk to the young people. I'm disoriented. I don't know where I am. I don't know what I'm coming into. Uh, I, I, I hadn't made the connection that I knew Dino and Gina. I, I was just coming in. I didn't know what was going on. And as I pulled up, I had this picture clearly in my mind of cars parked with out-of-state number plates. Now, we don't have that, but the impl- impl- implication was that something is going to happen here that people will come Two, that there will be over and in this fellowship a come and see what the Lord is doing. So uh, I was looking at that and then, uh, you know, I was with the young people and I felt like the Lord says to you as a fellowship, um, watch for signs of ignition among the children and the young people. It's not to say that God will only move among the children and the young people, but you should watch for signs of ignition because on, on Friday, I keep saying Sunday night, on Friday night when we had the young people here, roaming around praying for them, it was like there was rocket fuel and gunpowder all over the floor and we were playing with matches. And I felt like on Friday night, it didn't quite ignite but something is going to ignite. And so I want to encourage you in your prayer life as individuals and in your prayer life corporately as a fellowship. And I want to encourage you to lift your expectation about what God has in plan, has in mind and has planned for this fellowship, for what he will do here if you will be a humble and a hungry people. While we were singing, uh, that's the, the Spirit Lead Me song, you know, Spirit Lead Me Where My Trust Is Without Borders. You know, the funny thing is the last time I stood in a congregation where that song was sung was actually in Ukraine. They were singing it in Russian. So it's an Australian song written by a New Zealander. And here I was in Ukraine being led in worship by a fully Korean looking young man called Vladimir. <laughs> and we're singing it in Russian. So it was great. I sang it in tongues. I sang it in English. It was perfectly all good. When you were singing this, I had this picture. As you were singing these lines, I had this picture. like It was like the Lord going like this, inclining his ear. I said, what are you doing, Lord? He says, I'm listening for the tone of authenticity and hunger as you sang, as a fellowship, you sang, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. When you sang that, God leaned in, I believe, and he was listening. Because you know what I believe he says over this fellowship? This fellowship is appointed for a move of my spirit. Yahuwah. This fellowship is appointed for a move of my spirit. You know, in 1922, Smith Wigglesworth was in the Wellington region and there were meetings in the Wellington Town Hall. The first night, 800 people came. The second night, 1,600. And then every night for three weeks, 3,000 people jammed into the Wellington Town Hall. People were seen running through the streets to try and get into the Wellington Town Hall. 
There's an account of two young men that ran two and a half miles, I believe, I think it said from Brooklyn. They ran trying to get in and there were 3,000 inside every night and more outside. And even the predecessor to the Dominion Post recorded that these meetings were marked by miracles, salvation, deliverance, signs and wonders. Can you imagine a front page of the Dominion Post accounting such a thing? And Wigglesworth, after those three weeks, he said this. He said, there is coming a move of God. He said this in New Zealand. There is coming a move of God so significant it will make this move of God that we have enjoyed these last three three weeks seem as if it were nothing by comparison. I think the Lord is looking. 2 Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the Hutt Valley, (laughs) looking for those whose hearts belong completely to him, that he might give them strength. Amen. Praise God. Now you're looking at me like this is too much for a stranger. We hardly know you, but I just... A prophetic friend said this to me the other day. He said this in an email. I've never had an email nearly physically blow me off my chair with the power of God, but he said this recently. I'll read it to you. He said, my sense is that God's clock is ticking. It is vital right now that each of us be positioned to run at full tilt in obedience to him when the fire falls. And these four words are what nearly blew me off my chair. And fall it shall. The fire of God will fall. A lot of Christians are looking and and they're seeing all these controversies and all these things that seem to be happening that look so dark. We're We're upset about the passage of legislation. We're concerned about the safety of various medications. We're we're wondering what is the agenda behind this and that and the other thing. And in the middle of it, God's saying, Stop looking at that. Look at me. My clock is ticking. Because God is never, ever without a response. Isaiah 59, 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. We put the comma in the wrong place. We read it like this, when the enemy comes in like a flood. There are no commas in Hebrew. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I would suggest pay attention to who has already demonstrated the ability to bring floods. I think it goes when the enemy comes in. Like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. He is never without a response. Praise God. Last Sunday, we had a family come to our church. I know this family. They've been very isolated. And and the Lord basically told me, go in and get them out of their isolation. So I've been visiting them and going over and getting to know their kids and praying for them. And they came along to church. Spirit of God moved on them, particularly on their, uh, their little boy who's about four years old. Holy Spirit just touched his life. Anyway, they go home after this and they find that the, uh, the, the tap on the back of the washing machine has come off while they've been at church and the tap's been running full speed the whole time they're at church. And so half their house is flooded and they come home to this disaster. They open the garage, see the water. The mum, she runs through the garage to turn the tap off. She falls over, lands heavily on her shoulder, dislocates and possibly breaks her shoulder. So I get this message about 20 minutes after I've gotten home from our morning gathering saying, help. So, so we start mobilizing people to go over and help them. And then they say this, she's going to the A&E. Will you pray for her shoulder right now? And she arrives at the A&E and, uh, and the doctor looks at her shoulder and says, yes, that's definitely dislocated. It's probably broken. And they put her into scan, but the church was praying. And guess what? Just as they were scanning it, God healed it. The doctor saw it happen in real time while they were scanning it. Isn't that amazing? 
And not only that, she had a chronic issue with her wrist. Her wrist had been broken years ago and it was fused and God healed that too. God is never without a response. And so with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles, please. I want to read you something very familiar. Let's go to Luke chapter four. You doing all right? Great. It's been pretty nice weather this weekend, hasn't it? Just lovely. Outstanding. Just love it. Really love the Hutt Valley. We lived here for a while. We lived up in Belmont. But I really love particularly the upper Hutt Valley because uh, my daughter and her husband uh, and their on-the-way little one live here. So, so we are invested in the uh, upper regions of the Hutt Valley. Not the dodgy lower hut. We like the, you know, like the, you know, this is the, this is. <laughs> I can see, it's, it's like if you talk about, you know, if you talk about Vegemite and Marmite, you immediately see a division in the church or Ford and Holden. And it's like, it's same thing here, upper hut, lower hut, you know, it, it happens. Luke chapter four, verse 16. Jesus came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. As he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So as was his custom, Jesus comes to the synagogue And on this occasion, it was his turn. So the way this worked was different men in the community, that it was their home synagogue, their home fellowship. They were scheduled to take turns to read from the scrolls, to read from the the Word of God, and then to make a few comments. And the scrolls that were chosen, they were on a, um, a rotation as well. So Jesus, quote, just happened to be scheduled to be there that day, and the scroll of Isaiah just happened to be the one that he was to read from, so he read from it, and everybody, they had been hearing this scroll spoken about for hundreds of years, the the scroll of Isaiah was hundreds of years old by this time, they had heard these words repeated and commented on for hundreds of years, so Jesus reads from the scroll, And then he rolls it up, hands it back to the attendant, and everybody waits to hear what his comments will be. Here is his comment. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. They'd never heard a comment like that before. They'd never had anyone make that comment before, but here was this young man from Nazareth standing up and reading this familiar passage, and he's saying this, right here, right now, in front of you, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For blind eyes to open, for captives to be set free, for prisoners to be released, for the proclamation of the acceptable year of the Lord. And can can you imagine what that was like? You'd be like, What the heaven is happening right in front of us right now as this man has read this and then these are his comments. Now here's what we need to realise as followers of Jesus. What he says there is the prototype for every person that would follow him. 
When Jesus said, follow me, he wasn't just saying, walk in my footsteps. He was saying, be like me. Be your, my message is now your message. My anointing is now your anointing. My mission is now your mission. Let's go and do this together. So the Spirit of the Lord that was on Jesus that he spoke about on this occasion is the same Spirit of the Lord that rests on every wholehearted, fully surrendered believer in Jesus, willing to go where their trust is without borders. The way that the Holy Spirit was on the Son is the way that the Holy Spirit rests on the sons and daughters who follow Jesus. So what do we do? We preach good news to the poor, not just those who are financially poor, but those who are poor in spirit. We heal the brokenhearted, the trampled, the crushed hearts are healed. There is liberty for the captives. There is recovery of sight for the blind, not just those who are physically blind, but those who are blind to the gospel. There is liberty for the oppressed and there is the proclamation of the acceptable year of the Lord. Right here, right now in this passage, Jesus established the priorities and values of his mission and therefore the priorities and values of this church. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 17. You doing all right? You're quiet. Are we okay? Okay, we're still, we're still friends so far. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is religion. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there are rules and regulations and formulas. No. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What does liberty mean? Liberty means freedom from everything that would bring bondage. Like when that young lady was prayed for last Sunday, there came liberty for her from at least a dislocated shoulder, possibly a broken shoulder. Liberty from fear. Liberty from bondage. Liberty from addiction. Liberty from the fear of the future. Liberty from the fear of the past catching up with us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's authentic liberty. It's not bondage masquerading in liberty where people are always trying to express their individuality by becoming like everybody else. But it's an authentic liberty to live the life conformed to how God has made you to be. It's liberty to live before God's eyes. Liberty to live free from worrying what everybody else is always thinking. Liberty to live before God with a heart rejoicing and celebrating in who He is. I told them yesterday about when I got born again, not long after I got born again, my younger sister was healed of terminal cancer right in front of my atheist parents. That's how my mum and my dad became followers of Jesus. Happened right in front of them. If my mum was here, she's nearly 80, and she comes along to our church, and she sits in the front row, and every time I tell that story, she's nodding, and you know, she's, this is is true. (laughs) After that, 
I read Acts 16.31. Believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved, you and your household. That's great. My mum, my dad, my, my grandma, my nan and my papa, they'd all become followers of Jesus. The one problem I had was Uncle Bill. My Uncle Bill was deported from Australia in the 1960s for being a drug addict and a drug dealer. My Uncle Bill, uh, his partner was my Auntie Robin. My Auntie Robin was, to put it euphemistically, uh, an exotic dancer. (laughs) And they came back from Australia. He spent some time in prison. And then the government or the, you know, the, the doctors put him on methadone, which is like the legal alternative to, you know, for people who are addicted to opium and heroin or things like that. Three times a week, they would put enough methadone in him to anesthetize a horse. He still, to this day, he, he kept all the vials. He had them in big 40-gallon drums in his garage. And he still, to this day, uh, the last I heard, he has the longest He holds the record for the longest and most significant addiction to methadone in New Zealand's history. And I'm thinking, how does Uncle Bill become a follower of Jesus? And the Lord said, write your testimony in a letter and send it to him. So I did that. You know what I mean? You used to write on actual paper with a pen and you'd put it in an envelope, lick it and send it. I did that. (laughs) To my amazement, I didn't know until later, my Uncle Bill read my letter, got down on his knees beside the bed and gave his heart to Jesus. Then he turned around and led Auntie Robin to Jesus. And then he went to the doctor a few days later for his regular methadone. He says, I'm not having that anymore. The doctor said, you'll die from the withdrawals. He said, I would rather die free than live addicted. And he came off methadone and without any, any uh, withdrawals and spent the remaining 25 of his years of his life leading all sorts of colorful people to the Lord and turning up with van loads of them for Christmas celebrations. Yeah, you know Bill Williams. That's my uncle. (laughs) There you go, right there. (laughs) That's Uncle Bill. Oh, he got me into some real dodgy spots too, but I'll I'll tell you about that another time. Like I'd get these invitations to go and speak at things and I'd be like, uh, anyway, anyway, I'm going to run out of time. Oh, I'm running out of time. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. This is important. This is a foundational thing for what I believe is about to happen here. So I just want to talk to you about this and very, forgive me, it's going to sound like I'm being very simplistic, but let's make sure that these bricks are in, ready in the foundations. Liberty looks different in different groups of people. What does liberty look like among young people? I believe one of the great signs of our time is going to be liberty breaking out among the young people. Liberty from shame, liberty from fear, liberty from confusion, liberty from lies and pain and self-destruction and pointlessness. One of the great signs of our times is going to be God pouring out His Spirit on a generation of young people that the devil thinks he has full ownership of and God is about to prove him wrong. It's going to be a little bit like when the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. Remember, Samuel goes to the house of Jesse. We haven't got time to go into all of this because a new king was being chosen, but it says this. It says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David right in the middle of his brothers. The brothers who perhaps thought they should be. Maybe we are more qualified, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon the youngest son who was not treated like a son, but was treated like a slave because there was a little bit of dodginess around how he came to be born. 
It's why David said in Psalm 51, in sin my mother conceived me. It was why he wasn't invited to the gathering when the sons were invited, but rather he was hidden away like a servant. But God picked him. This happened in 1967. The church had been praying for an awakening and God heard their prayers and poured out his spirit on the hippies. The dope smoking, dodgy, immoral, weird Hippies came flooding into the church. And you know, many of the people that were in the church that had been praying for awakening left the church when the hippies came in because they weren't prepared for the way that God would answer. The way that God is going to answer among young people is, I'm going to put it to you this way, forgive me, it's going to scare the hell out of the church. How many of you know that hell should not be in the church? It's going to scare the religion out of the church. It's going to scare the hell out of the church. And we are going to have to be those that can turn around and see the Spirit of the Lord coming on these young ones and go, hallelujah. What does liberty look like in the lives of the parents? I've got a friend, he runs a ministry for young people uh, that are not believers. He gets in all sorts of trouble sometimes because these kids are, you know, they're, they're they're not believing kids and his house is full of them. And he recently had a meeting where he invited all the parents to come and he heard the way that the parents were expressing their fears about where their children were at. What does liberty look like in the lives of the parents? I'll tell you what I think it looks like. How many of you remember the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 17 and he's staying at the house of the widow? You remember the story? He turns up and this widow's in a desperate situation. Her and her son have just got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil left and she's about to cook like the last piece of bread and then they're going to starve to death. How many of you know that's pretty rough? And Elijah turns up and says, feed me first. Think about that for a moment. That's not very politically correct, is it? You turn up and there, you know, you don't turn up and say, well, look, let me bring something. He turns up and he says, feed me first. And her obedience leads to an ongoing miracle where no matter how much flour she tipped out, it never ran out. No matter how much oil she poured out, it never ran out. And this went on for an undisclosed period of time while Elijah was living there. She saw an ongoing miracle. But then her son died. And she comes and she basically says to Elijah, what have you done to me? It looks to me like she blames him. Elijah goes upstairs. And I don't know if this boy was a big boy or a little boy. We don't know if he was three years old or 13 years old. But he's a a lad. He's a boy. And it says Elijah goes up and he stretches himself out on the boy seven times and prays for him. And the boy comes back to life. And let's imagine for the sake of this story, he's a small enough boy that Elijah could carry him uh, back to his mother. And Elijah comes back with the boy and gives the boy back to his mama. And she makes this interesting comment. She says, now I know that you're a man of God and the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. She'd seen this ongoing miracle, but when she saw resurrection life, In her son, she goes, now I get it. 
You know what God is going to do? He's going to use the children and the young people as a sign to the mums and dads and grandmas and grandpas and uncles and aunts. And they've, they've seen our buildings. They've seen our signs. They've seen our social media. And none of it's convinced. But when they see resurrection life in their children and in their young people, when they see their young people being raised, raised up out of the living death of bondage and confusion and fear. They will go, now we know. Now we know. Now we know you guys are the real deal. And the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Liberty looks different in different people. I didn't need to be set free from an addiction to methadone. But my Uncle Bill did. I didn't need to be set free from confusion over who I am. I needed to be set free from other stuff where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. So let's go back quickly to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 17. And we're gonna look at these key words, where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. Firstly, where? Everyone say where. How many of you know He's everywhere? He's omnipresent. Right now, if you do this, your arm somehow is moving through the omnipresence of the Holy Spirit. He is everywhere. But that's not what this is talking about. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, is not about the omnipresence. It's about the, where He is welcomed, treasured made room for. It's the, it's the where individuals or a fellowship become so aware of His presence and so treasure His presence that we would actually go, like you're saying, you are better. Right now today, I think it's wonderful that dotted all over our land, there are groups of believers getting together. I think that's wonderful. There are big groups and there are small groups. There are groups in big buildings like this and there are groups meeting in homes and there are groups meeting in schools and RSAs and movie theatres. But I'll tell you this, I can tell you this from first-hand experience, not every one of those gatherings is aware I've been in places where quite literally the pastor will say, we want you to bring a move of the Spirit. But if that doesn't happen, we'll crank up the music and the lights and the smoke machine. We've got a plan B. But when it's aware, there is no plan B. It's God shows up or nothing. It's God or it's tumbleweed. We are here for the Lord. It's, Bill Johnson puts it this way. It's a tragedy when people come looking for God and all they find is us. Where the Spirit of the Lord in your life. I remember when my son Isaac was little. He's big now. But when he was little, his favorite place was my shoulders. And I can remember walking down the street in Richmond, just out of Nelson, walking down the street with him on my shoulders. And it was the old style Richmond, you know, with going down the main street and every shop's got a roof out over the, over the footpath and they're all different levels. And you're walking along and you're thinking about his little head sitting here and you walk along very mindful of the fact that there's a head there because you don't wanna be striding along and hear a thunk as his head hits the roof. 
That's what it means to be aware. You live aware of His presence. You go, I'm not going to look at anything on the internet that you don't want to look at. I don't want to listen to anything. I don't want to speak anything. I don't want to do anything because I want to be aware. It can't be good enough for us to go, oh yes, He's just everywhere. It's got to be, we want to be aware. Number two, the Spirit of the Lord. Say the Spirit of the Lord. Sometimes, not here, but obviously somewhere else in some other fellowship somewhere else, probably in Lower Hut. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just joking. (laughs) Sometimes people treat Holy Spirit like he's an optional extra. Like when you go to McDonald's, do you want your burger with a side of fries? And when you come to church, do you want your faith with or without the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, no one can even say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's not optional extras like mag wheels on a car. He's the whole car. Do you understand? You can't do this without him. We've got to stop treating him like he's like, he's like the crazy uncle in the Trinity. Oh, the Father. Oh, the Son. Oh. And then there's this awkward, crazy Holy Spirit. When he turns up, people cry or laugh or shake. Listen, he is the uncreated third person of the Trinity. God the Father is on his throne. God the Son is at the right hand of the Father at the Father's throne. And it is God the Holy Spirit who is here. He is the voice we hear when God speaks. He is the presence we feel when God comes. He is the enabling to live the Christian faith. He's not the optional extra. He is the Spirit of the Lord. John Arnott calls him the fire, star-breathing God of heaven. That when God the Father, through God the Son, who is the Word of God, said, let there be light, it was God the Holy Spirit who created the cosmos. He is not inferior. He's not just the force. He's not just a feeling. He is God. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The word liberty literally means pardon, deliverance, forgiveness, freedom. And this word remission, do you know what that means? Remission means the complete cancellation of everything written against you. I'm not sure we want that. Are you sure you want that? Imagine sin and shame, liberty. Words that brought curses, liberty. Lies that robbed dignity, liberty. Fear of man, Fear of the opinions of people that brings us to conformity, liberty. Sickness and the fear of death, liberty. Religion and bondage, liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, that's what begins to happen. So can I encourage you individually? You go, right. I, as an individual person, I am gonna be aware I don't know what that looks like for you, but for me, I get up at ridiculously early hours of the morning to prioritize spending time with God. 
because I want to be aware the Spirit of the Lord is. How are we doing so far? Worship team, would you mind coming back? Jason Upton sang this a few years ago. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you're tired and you're thirsty, there is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace falling on every face, there is freedom. I think you know that God is among you. And I think that today, one of the things that he wants to do is he wants to obliterate every excuse that any individual would have as to why God can't use you, as to why God wouldn't draw near to you. I think God wants you to know the way that he's thinking about this church is different to the way many of you have been thinking about this church. Can I tell you this? I, yesterday, I experienced there is an inferno of hunger and willingness in the leadership of this church saying we don't care what it looks like, we just want to go where God is going. And I'm telling you, I believe that's got the Lord's attention. <laughs> oh. Would you stand up, please? God bless you. I had about 15 things that I was going to try and talk about today, and I just felt like the Lord said, do this. Thank you, Lord. How many of you have ever felt brought into a place of conformity by the fear of what other people think about you? How many of you, even in the last 18 months, you've felt a restlessness that says, you know, like after the coronavirus, a lot of pastors and a lot of churches started talking about, well, we're going to get back to normal. How many of you, you were like, Why? How many of you can feel like a restlessness that actually this is not about normal? This is about something quite different to normal. <laughs> just hold your hands out like that. You don't have to close your eyes yet, but just hold your hands out. Some of you are immediately going to feel anointing coming on your hands. You're going to immediately feel the presence of God, the grace of God coming around your life, coming on your hands. Now I want you to close your eyes for a minute and I want you to think about that song that you were singing earlier, that I felt like the Lord was leaning his ear. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. There are no limits. Let me walk upon the water wherever you would call me. I want you to think about every excuse or every obstacle or every resistance in you. When you think about just going where God wants you to go, and running free, I want you to think about everything right now that might be a hindrance to that. 
And I want to ask you this question. Are you willing to believe what the Word of God actually says, where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty? And are you willing in a moment as we worship to actually just leave it behind so you can go where he wants you to go because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is anointing here today to bind up your broken heart, to open your eyes to see, to set you free from captivity and to let you out of the prison and to speak over you. Some of you have got these, these heavy, like these, almost like these curse words spoken over you. And there is the anointing today for the proclamation of the acceptable year of the Lord's favor that breaks off shame, that breaks off that feeling that you've carried of disqualification. The Lord says today, that's coming off. Not one person in this room is disqualified. Maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus. Jesus reaches out and says, come to me. That's where it all begins. If you're willing to surrender your life to me, I will pour my life into you. This is the great exchange. Give me your life and I will pour in mine. Would you mind beginning to play quietly? And what I want you to do is up the front here, we've got two altars today. We have the Holy of Holies here where no one can come. We have two altars. I want to tell you uh, what I told the young people. A few years ago, I spoke at a conference. It was actually a Get Smart conference. I spoke at a Get Smart conference in Auckland and they asked me to do the offering and I didn't want to pass around little bags or little buckets. I got them to bring in a trailer. I wanted something big. And anyway, the ushers, uh, this offering went on for nearly an hour and the ushers had to keep getting young people out of the trailer. Two young men came to me at the end and they said, thanks for giving us an offering bucket big enough to put in what I really wanted to put in, which was not my, not my money, but my whole self. I want you to imagine that we have a virtual trailer here and we have a virtual trailer here. If you're standing behind your seat there and you feel like there is anything that has been like a hindrance around your life, by faith, you're going to step out of your seat and just simply come down and stand in the trailer saying, Lord, I give you my whole life. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I'm taking a step towards you that this be established for real in my life. If you feel disqualified, if you feel in any way limited, if you're worried about anything, you're gonna leave it back there and you're gonna come and stand in the trailer and me and the leadership and whoever else. We're gonna roam around. We're gonna pray for some of you, might prophesy over some of you, but we're gonna believe that God will do what God says He will do. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We're gonna worship. We're gonna respond. We're gonna to pray together. And then afterwards, someone is gonna tell us what we're going to do. All right? If you want to come, come stand in the trailer right now. Just for today, don't be a, I'm not an altar call person. What do you got to lose? You're standing in the trailer saying, here is my life, Lord, I give it to you. Come forward a little bit so there's just a wee bit more room over there. Okay, come on, Lane Park Church, let's worship together. 
And Holy Spirit, we thank you as we do this. You are going to move and you are going to do what you said that you would do. Thank you that sickness will come off people's lives. Thank you that curse words are broken off people's lives. Thank you that bondages and even addictions are broken in the name of Jesus. Thank you for shame and disqualification coming off people. And thank you, Lord, wherever you are, there is liberty. Okay, ministry team, let's start roaming around. Let's pray for some people. Let's see how the Lord will move amongst us today.